everybody, welcome back to Joygasm, where we chat about video games, movies, and pop culture. I'm Russ, Xbox Live Toaster 360, and absent, unfortunately, from the studio today is my brother from the same mother, Steve, Xbox Live, Stevevich. As I kick off episode 73 on this Memorial Day weekend of May 26th, 2018. On today's episode, we have a real treat for your ears. Special guest Jesse Snyder is here to talk about his career in the video game industry. He's worked on several AAA first-person shooter titles, as well as working for some of the top studios in the industry. We're lucky to catch up with him today. Mr. Jesse, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. Real quick, I'd like to give a shout out to Sean Byers, who made this initial introduction between us. I know before we started recording just now, we were talking about him. And so I just want to make sure I uh, give him the, the props that uh, he so rarely deserves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sean's the man. So I guess, would you like to start out by telling the listeners what you do and where you do it currently? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so currently I'm creative director at uh, Daybreak Games, which is in San Diego. So SoCal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Love SoCal. Have you lived in SoCal your whole life or? Uh, no, I, I actually, I grew up in Oregon originally. Uh, and, uh, you know, kind of funny story. So then, so I moved to LA to get my first, you know, game job, mm-hmm. uh, and worked at Gray Matter, a uh, little studio called Gray Matter. And they made like, they were an old Activision studio that eventually we got merged into Treyarch, but they were, they used to be known as Zatrix. So they made like Redneck Rampage and, um, oh, what else did they make? They made some other, uh, Kingpin, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then, uh, and then Grey Matter and then they, you know, they got bought by Activision or whatever, turned into Grey Matter and they made Return to Castle Wolfenstein. Yes. Uh, uh-huh. Single, they did the single player. And so that was my like, oh yeah, like I'm gonna, this is, this game's amazing. I was playing that game a lot in college and I was like, this game's amazing. I love the team-based play for multiplayer. And I started modding that game. And uh, so then when I started applying for game jobs, that was like my first kind of, you know, I was like, oh, I really want to work here. So that was, and then I ended up working there. It wasn't like seamless. I had to, you know, I did like a phone interview and didn't get in and then some time passed. And I was actually uh, teaching high school at the time. I got my master's degree in teaching. So that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's kind of crazy. But then, so then later they called me back and they're like, hey, we actually want to, we're going to start working on this new game. And uh, I was like, all right, cool. You know, uh, anything to get in the games industry, you know, as a designer and uh, showed up and they're like, yeah, this game's called Call of Duty. No one really knows about it yet. Uh, it's <laughs> it's kind of like no, a tiny you know, little game and no one really knows yeah, about it. Exactly. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, and so, um, so we worked on the, the only expansion pack for Call of Duty. It was Call of Duty United Offensive. Uh-huh. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so did that, uh, you know, work to get, eventually we, and we can go into more detail, but, uh, back to the original thing, like SoCal, right? So five years of SoCal there. And then, uh, you know, was like, I really want to get back into the Northwest at some point, just cause that's where I'm from. Mm-hmm. So that's why I went back up to Microsoft, uh, worked at three, four, three for, for like four or five years. And then I got tired of that and said, uh, yeah, SoCal's pretty nice. What was I thinking? <laughs> um, I'm going to go back there now. So then I went back to Activision and, 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 and now I'm at daybreak in San Diego. So I kind of, just love it here. Yeah, it's just great. Ping it's pong like the weather, back the weather's amazing. Man. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'm actually pretty interested in the whole teaching part of it. How old were you when you were teaching? Oh man, I was, so I was like fresh out of college. So, you know, and then I was like, so it was at 21, 22 and then got my master's degree. So 23. So I think I was teaching around 23, 24 years old, somewhere in there. And, and, what, and what precisely um, were you teaching? I was teaching high school, which made it even worse. Okay. Um, because I, <laughs> you can't see me or anything. And, you know, but, uh, I, 
I look really young, or at least I did. Um, and a lot of people still say I look really young. So that's a good thing. When, yeah, it's a good thing. Except when you're being a high school teacher, and you know the kids don't respect you, and the the administrators are like, "You should grow a beard." And I'm like, "I can't. <laughs> I just can't." So I had to do the whole like shirt and tie thing, and you know, I, I was in like lunch lines, you know, trying to get. Because when you're a teacher, you're like, I got to just get through lunch really quick right. so I can get back to my classroom and do classroom prep. And so they let teachers basically cut to the front of the line. And it's, it's like an expected thing. So I would do that. And the lunch people would be like, what are you doing? Like, you can't do that. You're a student. And I was like, I know I'm a teacher, I, you know. So, yeah, it was, that was kind of annoying. Trying to go to the but, bathroom. But yeah. The hall monitors are like, what are you doing in the hall? And you're like, I'm yeah. a teacher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Teaching was all right. It was, um, you know, obviously I, I like doing games a lot more, but uh, it was, it was, it was rewarding in a different way, you know. So, so um, I think what I'd like to do is talk about how you got your start in the career. I know we've talked about the teaching bit. You've kind of mentioned a little bit yeah. about how you, you got involved with the gaming industry, but can you give us a timeline detailing what you did, um, just from the start of the gaming industry and then touch on the yeah. companies you worked for and the games you worked on for those studios. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, oh man. Okay. So we'll, we'll get in the, the way back machine. Yes. So my, I, I always kind of go back to my mom cause she, when I was like four years old, we would, uh, she was kind of like an amateur computer programmer. Um, and so we would like, they had these old, uh, like back in the Atari days, they had, like the Atari 800 it was kind of like a PC. And so, um, we would, and they had these books that you could like magazines and stuff you could get. Mm -hmm. And in the back of those are these like programs. And so what we do is like when I was really little, she would, you know, sit with me and we'd like type in all the code and stuff and try to basically debug it, figure out where it went wrong and stuff. And so I kind of always like grew up around computers and modifying computers and like playing with software and stuff and, and hardware and whatnot. So, um, so, and then, you know, I got older, I got into middle school and, uh, you know, Bungie, I was playing a lot of Mac games. I, we never had like a PC, like we went from like Atari to like Mac, basically. I had Nintendo okay. and stuff. Um, and so, so yeah, so I played a lot of Mac games and, um, yeah, Bungie, uh, you know, Pathways into Darkness was one of the, like the original game, like shooters that I ever played and, uh, eventually Marathon. And so, uh, Marathon had like their modding tools. So I played, uh, you know, I, I started releasing, you know, mods and maps for Marathon on like, I think it was AOL um, at the time and like CompuServe and stuff like mm -hmm. that. So, um, and then, you know, I was always interested in kind of like, you know, just modifying games, playing with games and the idea of like putting stuff out there and having people play it like as a, like I was in middle school, but like, in, in like not a lot of people were doing this, but you know, having people play your stuff and comment it online and not knowing who you were was just like, wow, this is crazy that I can do this. Uh, you know, this is like pre-internet, right? Right, right. So, um, so yeah, so then, uh, you know, time, time goes on. I, I decided, hey, I want to get into like computer science. So eventually I, um, you know, went for my computer science degree um, and kind of through school, there weren't like game, like schools like there are now, um, like when I was in college, uh, it was a lot of, you know, hey, if you if you want to be into games, you can take maybe like interactive media courses that were just starting or you can go computer science and maybe become a games programmer. But they kind of pushed you away from that when I was in college. Mm -hmm. um, and so, uh, but in my, in the background, I was always like modding games and, and I was actually doing more like level design work. Um, so kind of professionally, I was trying to be like a computer programmer and I decided that's the, the track I wanted to go. Um, but in the background, yeah, I was just like, modding games. And so that's when Return to Castle Wolfenstein came out. I was in college, started modding that. Such um, a good game. And 
Yeah. Oh, dude, I love that game. <laughs> it's like ahead of its time, I think. Like, the, like I look at like Overwatch now, and I'm like, that's basically Return of Castle Wolfenstein in a lot of ways. It like is. The, the kind of core core map design is like, okay, we got these things we're pushing through the map, and um, I mean, they had crazier stuff where you could like set dynamite, so people had to play like certain roles to like you know blow open doors, and 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 that was pretty fun. I used to play a lot of uh, like I guess it'd be considered uh, pro pro league stuff back in the day too. Mm-hmm. Like there was like a league called like C, I think like CWL. Um, Anyway, so yeah, I was super into that game and I was making, uh, you know, maps for that. And I, I did the whole, like, I made this map called like Kung Fu Grip, which was like a, <laughs> one of those, one of those like, you know, like uh, shrunken world maps and people love that and stuff. So, um, yeah. So, um, and then what, so then got my, uh, you know, I was like, I, I started applying for game jobs, didn't work out. Um, I didn't think too much of it, but pe- you know, people online were like, yeah, you should really keep going. You're making some really good stuff. And I was like, oh yeah, I don't know. So I just would apply to like small studios I thought I could get into and like, you know, never really got any callbacks or bites or anything um, until eventually uh, with gray matter. But, um, but kind of in between that, then I, you know, I got my master's degree and I taught high school. It was like less than a year. I only taught professionally for like six months. Now let me stop you really um, quick. Did you, how old yeah. were you when you got your master's degree? I think I was like, it was right out of college. So yeah. So it was like 23, 24, somewhere in there. Dude, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. It was like four, four years of C- CS and I'm like right into, you know, getting my one. Yeah. It was a one year master's teaching program. So, and then, uh, yeah. And then I went right into teaching, got a job luckily. And, uh, and then, you know, like I said, I was applying for stuff and then, in and then kind of, I got a call that was like, Hey, we liked, we liked your phone interview. We want you actually to fly you to, to LA. And, uh, you know, I, I'd never really left like Oregon in the Northwest before. So I was like, Whoa, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and showed up in like totally like in my teaching attire. So like full, like tie and like button up shirt, like, you know, everything. <laughs> That's such a big no, no in were, the gaming like, industry. <laughs> oh yeah. They were like, what are you doing? Like, they were like making fun of me. I was like, Oh, I don't know. This isn't a professional interview. This is what I thought I was supposed to do. But, um, well, and it's funny too. Cause like we had parents that, I mean, they, I don't know about your parents, but like my parents were all, were totally old school in that sense where it was just, yep. when you go to an interview, you wear the suit and tie, you know, you want to make a good impression. And it was just, it was, I remember it was such oh, an eye opening experience how I learned all about what, you know, corporate culture was about, like just in terms of just yeah. depending on which industry you're into. I mean, that could also be a detriment to you making a good impression, but anyway, go ahead. Yeah, no, that was just, that was funny. Cause like, even to this day, people that, you know, I'm still friends with her. Like, I remember when you showed up in this suit and tie and I was like, okay, <laughs> you know, uh, but yeah, so, um, yeah, so got, so, you know, came in for the interview and, and, you know, they were like really impressed. Cause I'd like done my own, like, you know, kind of, you know, terrible concept art, but, um, I'd basically taken the Wolfenstein engine and turned it into a 2d platformer and I recreated, uh, the, like one dash one from, you know, super Mario mm-hmm. brothers, like with like, like full, like scripting, like you could step on the, you know, step on the turtles and all that stuff. Um, so <laughs> cut coins, like it was crazy. Um, but you were like a Wolfenstein character. And so you could still throw smoke grenades and you, you would like shoot, you know, you could like shoot him with your Tommy gun and nice. stuff, Thompson. Um, so that was fun. So they liked the, you know, they liked that I was playing around with it. And then, uh, yeah, so they put me on, when I, when I showed up, cause I was doing mostly multiplayer like levels, you know, there weren't like a lot of single player mods back then. There just wasn't like the tools or documentation to do like single player content mm-hmm. back then. So, um, so yeah, so I was doing multiplayer stuff and, uh, you know, I made, made a couple levels. Um, and it's like this kind of famous level from United offensive is like MP4, um, where I took one of the single player levels and turned it into a multiplayer level and made it all destructible and added vehicles and all this kind of stuff. Um, and, mm-hmm. 
then one of our single player scripters got got sick in the project and they were like, Hey, we need somebody with like computer science background, you know, scripting background that can take over some single player stuff. And I was like, yeah, sure. I'll do it. And so scripted the first level of United Offensive, um, and part of the second one and, and kind of like a couple other sections of other levels and, uh, yeah, shipped that stuff. And, and kind of ever since then I'd been in like kind of squarely in the single player, uh, realm, mm-hmm. although, you know, like later I ended up doing like, you know, I like made Nazi zombies and all that stuff. So that was like a co-op mode. But um, yeah, so I like I, it's funny because I originally started as kind of this multiplayer person and I play, I would say mostly multiplayer games, I think. Um, you know, I, I mean, I play single player games and stuff and all. I, I play a lot of stuff, but I kind of tend to veer more towards multiplayer games. It's just like fun to, you know, play competitive games. Mm-hmm. But uh, but I've always been working on single player stuff. So thinking about like how to do you know, layers of interaction and like all the mechanics and how they fit together with level design and all that good stuff. So now what's interesting about um, what you're describing yeah. is, is that when you, when you were working for gray matter, um, yeah. what was your, what was your job title when you first joined them? Uh, just designer, just designer. Well, yeah. what's interesting though, is yeah. that it sounds as though that you were actually doing a fair amount of coding. Yeah. I mean, designers, like at least the designers I've worked with, throughout my career have all been able to kind of do it all. Um, they've been able to write code, you know, proficiently, uh, you know, they can do some, you know, block mesh level design stuff. Some, some of them can take it a lot further and actually, you know, do like ship levels. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that I, you know, uh, really respect, uh, still like, you know, they went to respawn and there's people that can take levels from basically, you know, nothing to ship writing all the code, you know, for the level and doing all the like, uh, level design work and art, you know, That's Maybe, you know, the artists will do finishing art, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, and there's a lot of pride in that too, of like taking this whole thing, you know, from nothing to, you know, and seeing, seeing the vision through like, this is kind of the thing that I see, this is my level in a way. Um, you know, and it's a double-edged sword because sometimes you, you know, and especially with younger designers, people go like, "This is my level," but ultimately, it's the company's level. You know what I mean? So sure. And, and usually, you have bosses that kind of want to change things, and so you got to listen to them. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm fascinated by that just because um, the studios that I I used to work for, the game designers, the, to my knowledge, they really didn't do a lot of the coding itself. They, of course, that they were looking at more of like the gameplay mechanics and um, mm. just just doing more of like the the level kind of like layouts in terms of like how different things would would interact with like the both the the protagonist and just the storyline and, and that sort of thing like it, it was kind of more of a, a designer centric focus I guess yeah. you could say so it's neat to hear you talk about how you actually are very much hands on hands on when it comes to the, the code that that's that's pretty interesting to me Oh yeah. I think it, I mean, it might be a trait of like, um, call of duty designers in particular, um, because they're so, the levels are very scripted, you know, and the mechanics that are kind of working behind the scenes are all still written in code and script and stuff. Um, so, and and there's crossover, right? So like if you're writing like level design, like kind of code, you might say like, Oh, I need this mechanic. Well, I'll just write it myself. And then, you know, there it is, you know, like I think of stuff like, uh, you know, like AC 130, you know, like somebody had to, you know, some, some designers thinking like, oh, I, I need to like put this camera up in the air and then write all the, you know, gun systems and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But they're also thinking in terms of like, hey, let me, um, you know, figure out like what, what the look is supposed to be, you know, let me put the UI to make it look just like the, the you know, what you'd see in like a, a real, you know, uh, like the flare cam, sure. you know, that you'd, you'd see in like real war footage and stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, that's it, it, it. I think it just differs between studios. Um, like, you know, and I, I 
come to daybreak and, and it's like a mix of designers, kind of like what you're describing, like summer, like some of the level designers, are like, Hey, I'm just going to uh, take these pieces that the artist made me and put them together and build a level. Um, uh, but you know, like I, I brought a couple of people over, um, from some other studios and we, we tend to like to work differently where we kind of custom build the, the, the level geo. So we're, we're trying, you know, there's a bit of a like back and forth there between like, Hey, which, which way should we go? Cause you know, there's, One's efficient in one way and one's efficient in another way. And, and there's kind of drawbacks, you know, so it, it just sort of depends on how people like to work and what's best for the kind of game that you're making. Sure. You know? But, but, you know, Call of Duty is a, a, a pretty scripted shooter. And so um, all that script needs to be written usually by the, the designer. And typically the designer is the person that like comes up with the vision for that level, you know? So maybe there's like, you know, the creative director on a Call of Duty game will be like, here's the kind of outline for the, for their overall game and story. And, you know, they work, work with narrative and stuff. And they come up with like the, just the the rough outline, and they say like, "Here's like what we think should be maybe like ten to twelve to whatever twenty levels worth of stuff," and then they kind of parse it out and say, "You're in charge of this section of the game. Mm. Um, you know, pitch us on what you think will be cool." And so the designer, even like the you know the low level lowest level designer, is like, "Cool, I get to go, you know, come up with all these ideas. I'm going to do some research on that area. I'm going to kind of dig into the story a little bit more, get in the heads of the characters with it, like the narrative team. But ultimately they're coming up with a vision for the level on their own, you know, and maybe with a couple other people involved to like help support it. Right. And then sometimes you pair off in teams of designers. Um, and then they're responsible for taking that to like that to ship. So, you know, right. Like I said, like writing all the code, doing all the block mesh, you know, getting all the combat in all that good stuff. Um, and then, um, yeah. And then, you know, eventually it gets kind of, you know, finished, right. Usually by finishing artists and animators come in and make all the super sweet animations look nice and they bring in the mocap and all that stuff. But, but it just, yeah. just in terms of like the foundation itself, I mean, your DNA is totally ingrained in into that game. I mean, that's, that is super cool. No, I had no idea that you guys approached it that way. Oh yeah. Yep. Yes. It's a, it, it, and then I, yeah. And it's like, it's like talking to you and some other people, people go like, well, that's how you guys work. That's crazy. But that's all I've ever done. So to me, like anything else seems kind of like odd. I'm like, why would you, <laughs> why would you not what do, you, do what that? Do you mean you're not writing code? <laughs> who's writing the code? You know, like, who's, like that, you got to tell somebody to write the code. Like, why don't you just do it yourself? I don't know. <laughs> that's super cool. I totally did not mean to uh, T-bone your, your timeline, but I just, all of a sudden I was thinking about it. I was okay. like, Oh wow. This guy like has computer science. He has this whole background that I would just, I'm not used to hearing about. So anyway, please continue with your timeline. Yeah. Well, I will say that like actually on the teaching thing too, one of the, the kind of most important things I got out of that was all the psychology classes, you know, cause then you start to really think about how other people think and how other people perceive different situations. And that, that becomes like super useful in game design, it turns out. So um, but yeah, so, all right. So, so where was I, uh, gray matter, well, let's see, Wolfenstein. And then, uh, yeah. So then, so we ship United offensive, um, you know, United offensive comes out, does pretty well. Um, and then we ended up getting merged with, uh, Treyarch. And so Activision at the time was like, Hey, let's, we have this idea for doing like these yearly release, you know, call of duties. And we're like, cause you know, the first one ended up just going gangbusters, right. Mm -hmm. It was on PC and people loved it. It was very different, you know, like there's not a lot of games that kind of did shooting that way, you know, aim down sights wasn't a thing. Um, and then in the single player side, you have like really good, like AI squad behavior, which hadn't been done before. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like a breakthrough game. Um, yeah. So, so Activision's idea was let's take Treyarch who at the time was kind of, you know, they, they just come off some canceled games. Um, and you know, internally they were kind of struggling a bit, but they're like, they had a lot of console experience 
And then, uh, you know, Grey Matter had come off a successful, you know, PC game. And, you know, PC games, you know, weren't selling a whole lot at the time, you know, and console games were, mm-hmm. but, you know, we, obviously we're a super talented team. So they figured like, hey, let's merge these two teams and we could, we could do something awesome. So, um, so yeah, so then it was crazy because they, they kind of shoved a lot of us into the gray matter space, which wasn't made for it. And they're like, all right, we got a year. <laughs> we need you guys to make a console <laughs> game. And we're like, okay, that, uh, how hard could that be? And they're like, you know, and quickly as PC developers, we learned like the, the, the hardships of like, you know, putting, I think, I think PS2 had like 32 megs of Ram, you know? And so it, it like, I think, so we made big red one in, in nine months and that was just a brutal project. Like we were just, you know, crunching the entire time. It was, it was pretty bad, mm-hmm. but, uh, we had to figure out how to take a PC engine and somehow like fit it into a, uh, into a PS2. And we had to make so many sacrifices. Like we went from like, I think like 32 AI, uh, limits on PC to like, I think 12, eight or 12. And so a lot, oh, a lot of the AI was just like faked, um, like super faked. Like, we, yeah, just, you know, we called them sh- like shrimps. And so they were just basically <laughs> like, car- like cards, like 2d cards in, in some places that we'd then swap in with AI at various points. And we did all these crazy tricks. Um, but, uh, yeah, so then, so nine months passed and we, you know, that was just a blur. I don't even remember what happened on it. Like people asked me like, well, oh, I was big red one. I was like, dude, I was just working the whole time. Like, I have no idea. Like our pre-production was like weeks. Like we, we, we came up with those levels in I think two weeks Were you and just started making your desk them. at night. <laughs> oh yeah. There was a, there literally was a guy that like, he had a, a mattress like under, <laughs> under his desk. So it was pretty bad. Um, and that, that's like the classic, like crunch when you hear like the worst crunch stories, like it was that. You know, it was like 14, 16 hour days, like, you know, Monday through Saturday. And then like Sunday you might get off sometimes, but usually not like it was just bad. Um, so that was a wake up call. I was like, Ooh, that's, that was different, you know? Um, and then, um, Activision said, Hey, so we need another one (laughs) in a year. (laughs) Because cause Infinity Ward wants more time to do theirs. And so they were giving, because Infi- at the time, like Infinity Ward was like the A studio and Trek was kind of the B studio. Mm-hmm. And um, and so they were giving them like, you know, two years and whatever to finish their projects out. And they were they were trying to get the schedule lined up. But uh, I can't remember exact the exact timeline, but I think COD 2 and Big Red 1 came out at the same time. And then they needed two more years to do, uh, they were going to do another World War II game actually. And then there was a... A whole internal struggle about if they're going to do modern warfare or not. But anyway, so in the, in that, in that next year we had to do COD three. So that's um, when I got on board the COD franchise. Yeah. So, so that was like, that was another like trial by fire, just like use the same engine, like slam out another game. Um, you know, and, and again, it was like short pre-production, but, um, I don't know, like I like COD three more than big red one. Um, but, uh, so yeah, so COD three. What did I do? I scripted the, um, the I think it, yeah, it was the first level. Yeah, the uh, the tutorial level. Um, that it, it was like also like our kind of green light level and sort of our E three behind closed doors demo level. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was the um, yeah, it was the the uh, what was it called? Saint Low Saint Low mission. Yeah, and so that was like the one where you're like you know you're in the truck and you're you're getting chased and a guy gets blown up behind you and then the truck tumbles over and then it's like you get dragged into this like cemetery with this full crazy war scene scene going on and and you know and it kind of goes from there and it was like the big opening intro right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was also like limited AI, like, a, you know, like a lot of those AI that you're seeing in the background are, are not real stuff. So they're kind of just like shooting roughly in your vicinity, but they're not really thinking. And, 
Ready to do all kinds of little tricks on that. Um, now, COD yeah. three was COD three the one where you had the the storming of the beaches of Normandy. Uh, that was I think. Well, let's see. They did a beach assault level, but COD two was the one where they did like the. Um, it wasn't Normandy. It was like uh, Point Maybe New it Hawk. Normandy. It was called. Yeah, there was one was in particular. It was really cool looking where like you actually got to scale the side of the cliff and you're making your way up mm-hmm. to where the Nazis are and whatnot. Was that COD 2 or COD 3? That was COD, that was COD 2. That was Infinity Wards. Um, uh, you know, kind of big breakthrough Call of Duty. That, that that was the one that like broke open consoles because like in a big way because that was next gen. Like that was like 360 launch title. That's right. And so and so it was like, ooh, like this is this. And, you know, and they started selling like gangbusters at that point. Like Because COD was already a great game, mm-hmm. but then now you have... Um, now you have it on consoles and it's like, it works because the 360 is kind of like a, a mini PC and now you don't have to sacrifice as much. Right. Um, and so, so yeah, so then we were still doing, uh, COD three before that happened. So it was kind of like the last of the PS2, you know, games. And then also, and then it was also, I think it was like a 360 game later or something. Um, but, uh. Yeah, and then because yeah, because there was like a bit of crossover there. I'm trying to remember, but there was a bit of crossover between like PS2 was on its way out and 360 was on its way in. So, so we still had like this big install base and all that. Um, and then, yeah, COD three was another just blur. Like I don't really remember what happened. Um, it was just like, hey, just get this game done and, and do your best work. And it was crazy, like I said, because it was like I was on all the green light demo stuff. So it was just like normal work under crunch situation times ten. <laughs> So, um, but I, it, there was a cool story there. Like, um, when I, we show, I didn't actually get to see it. So I'm bummed, but they demoed the, the level behind closed doors. And at the, at the time, uh, Steven Spielberg was trying to do, I think he was working with Medal of Honor Oh, and oh. He, he, he had come by and saw, and saw my demo and was like, and he saw it. And right afterwards he goes, yes. Like he was like, why aren't we doing this? This is awesome. You know, he was all excited about it. But, uh, were you present for that? For his reaction? I wasn't. And they told me about it afterwards oh. and I was like, oh, I was so bummed. Like that would have been great. But, uh, so, you know, it was just like one of those things where I'm like, oh, that's cool. Like Steven Spielberg thought like I made a good call to level. So that's, that's probably bodes well for me. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That, that's like the ultimate compliment. In fact, Steven Spielberg is one of those types of people that it's funny. I, I, from time to time will hear that he is, he, he's got, he has some sort of vested interest in video games, but he's, he's kind of yeah. on like the fringes or like the behind the scenes area. He's not very out in front. Yeah. There's a, I mean, there's a, another buddy of mine I work with, um, who used to work at, uh, there was, there was a Steven Spielberg kind of game at one point at EA and it's, you could like look it up, but it's, I think it's called Elemento. And my buddy actually worked on that for a little while. So he, I think he kind of worked in and around Steven Spielberg. Um, and also like Steven Spielberg's son works in games. I think his name's Max. Oh, wow. Okay. You can check him out. But I think he was like a level designer at EA for a while. I don't know what he's doing now, but um, that was like years ago. So I, I think he's still in games, hmm. but yeah. Um, yeah. So, so we shipped COD three. Um, and then, uh, what was next? And then world at war. So yeah, world at war was like Activision's like, okay, you guys get it. You get a break. You get two years, you know, um, you don't have to crunch anymore. We're going to, you know, <laughs> back to normal making games. We're like, oh, okay. Th- thank goodness for this. And, um, so we, you know, took some more time on pre-production and, and, uh, at the, at the time we were kind of maybe thinking like we, like we could pitch our own game. So we pitched some other kind of crazy games. Like there was a world war one game that was in there and we pitched like a, a, like a sci-fi game. Um, you know, 
like kind of like with robots and stuff and kind of ended up being a lot of inspiration for infinite warfare actually um at least on my end but um then activision basically said nope world war ii <laughs> so we're like okay <laughs> all right fine we'll do it like, another world war ii game but we were no like, world war ii yeah. we're like oh we were we were stressed because like we were kind of seeing like the reaction to World War II games at the time, and we kind of knew they were on their way out. But Activision was just like, "Hey, you know these these still make money, and you know we don't think that it's over yet. There's still fans for these." And we're like, "Okay." So, uh, and and the big differentiator was like, "Hey, this is going to be set in in Pacific Theater, right? So lots of water, mm-hmm. you know, flamethrowers, kind of a more um, ambiguous tone in terms of like it's not so rah rah like." like we're going to win this. It's like, you know, the, the Pacific campaign in, in uh, world war two is pretty brutal for, for on both ends. Like it was just Japanese on islands, like tying themselves up into trees and, and like, you know, basically committing suicide, you know, and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the U S side was, was doing some crazy stuff too, you know, just mutilating bodies and, and going, you know, mm-hmm. going crazy and whatnot. So we wanted to kind of show that darker side without getting too much, too much into it. Uh, you know, too, too political or whatever about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what do we do? We made, we, we knew we were making a U.S. you know, Japanese campaign, but then we were also like, well, people are going to want to see German Europe st- stuff still. We don't want to just focus exclusively on that. Um, and then what about the Brits? And so we actually had a whole British campaign that I think was like our best campaign. It was the most fun. Like we had levels that were like way ahead of their time in there. Like we had like the whole, you know, and you've seen this in other COD games since, but like, hey, I'm going to, you know, uh, sneak my way into the base by like dressing up as other soldiers right. and like, you know, hiding under their car and doing all that kind of stuff. Like we had those levels like in production, they were pretty well long and almost done. And we had to cut the entire campaign, um, you know, by decree of Activision, because basically, you know, getting back to my earlier point, I was like, hey, we need to have American Pacific stuff. That's like the, the core. And then people aren't going to, they're, they're going to want to see Russian um, you know, some sort of Russian European type campaign as well. So we ended up having to drop the British stuff cause it was kind of the more, it was the most like the, the U S allied side stuff. So, um, so that was a bummer, yeah. but, um, yeah, but you know, there, there's, stu- there's always stuff that, you know, ends up on the cutting room floor and it's and, and sad, but it's just the way it works. Right. Um, and so, so yeah, so the first year was kind of moving along and, and it was like, we we're getting this feedback that the game wasn't like different enough than the previous call of duty is like, yeah, we had Japanese soldiers, but they weren't doing anything different yet. And, and, uh, they were, it was basically like, it felt like a mirror of the, the, um, kind of German Russian campaign and, and the way the AI behaved and stuff. So, um, and then that's when the crunch burners got turned on again and we're like, all right, <laughs> let's like, let's try to make this game really good. And so we had to come up with um, kind of like, a, you know, new behaviors for the Japanese. So we, you know, we really doubled down on like kamikaze, you know, kind of, you know, bonsai type behaviors. And they were like charge at you with their bayonets. And, you know, like I mentioned earlier, like guys are tying themselves up in trees. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the thought, the crazy thought behind that for the Japanese soldiers was, I know I'm going to die. So I'm going to tie myself up into this tree and just shoot them, you know, shoot soldiers as they come on the beach and take as many out as I can. But because I'm tied up in this tree, they're not going to know if I'm dead or not. So they're going to waste their ammo on me and they'll just keep like laying into me. Right? That's just so, crazy. That's like a, yeah, it's a crazy mind, mindset to be in for sure. So I, I can't. Yeah. So anyway, so we had like, so we, to, to kind of reference that we had soldiers that would like quickly run up the trees and then you could shoot them out. And then we had this like rope tech. And so then if you shot them out, they'd like fly, you know, they'd like dangle down and swing is kind of like a cool, like, you know, visual reward for, for taking them out. Absolutely. And stuff. 
Um, and then we did like spider holes was another tactic that they used. So they'd, they'd kind of like cut little sections out of the ground, like little foxhole, and then they'd cover it up with like dirt and grass. And then they'd just kind of like pop up out of the ground and shoot you. So we, we try to do some of that stuff, but you know, as, as you can imagine, like some of that stuff's really annoying, just like it is in real life. Like you're <laughs> like these kind of guerrilla tactics aren't really like fun to, you know, fight against. And so we had to do all these things to make them like, you know, not annoying and, and, you know, and whatnot. But, um, yeah, you got to have tweaking and balancing and figuring out like just how much to, to push versus how yeah. much to, to not. Yeah. Um, and then I guess like, yeah, the other big kind of thing was we were pushing for, uh, from the beginning, we said, Hey, this is going to be like a co-op campaign. And so kind of the first year was us just getting, like co-op working um, because, you know, taking a step back, we were on the, the big red one in COD three engines. Um, and we, we, right when we started world at war, we said, Hey, let's, let's not use this engine anymore. Let's move to the modern warfare engine. And so um, that means, you know, the tech changes from underneath a bunch of programmers, they got to relearn some stuff, but then we also shifted that engine to be a co-op engine. And that's kind of where like really the, the code base from Treyarch and IW branched um, because now we're adding like client side scripting and like networking and stuff to like single player in like a more meaningful way. Um, and eventually they, they added like IW added their own like kind of, you know, network, whatever, like scripting to um, I think it was Modern Warfare 2. Um, Cause they, uh, the, what did they have? Those, uh, I forget the name of the, the like co-op mode they had, but um Anyway, so so yeah, so we had uh yeah, co-op scripting that that was a whole thing that we had to deal with in client side scripting and versus you know like the normal server scripting or whatever, um and basically trying to offload as much onto the client as possible, and uh, so that was a new way for a lot of designers to think about making the game, um, and you know Call of Duty is t- typically a very you know scripted linear game, and so now when you have four players in there, they're like breaking all the events and kind of <laughs> causing havoc and stuff, and so yeah. that was a big wake up call. So that was like the first year was us like that learning that. And then, so we didn't really get to all the other stuff we wanted to do. So then that's why we kind of had to crunch the second year and put in all the, like the nice, like, like I was talking about like spider holes and all this other stuff. Now, what was um, the, uh, what was the solution for that? If you have something that's four player co-op, obviously call of duty is, is has a reputation for having those like cinematic scripted events that go on based on <laughs> where the, the, the single player is at any given point in time. Well, what was the solution for that? Um, so the, the, what we just kind of decided was we were going to forego a lot of the, the more scripted moments. Um, and then of course we started getting feedback that there aren't enough scripted moments in it. Right. So, um, you know, in, in a lot of, in a lot of cases, like you can just sometimes take control away from the player, which I absolutely hate doing, mm-hmm. but it's a, you can't really do that in a co-op game. It just doesn't make sense quite often. And you know, we don't, you don't really have cutscenes. kind of everything happens mid level. Like if you're having some story beat, it's like, the AI kind of stand around and tell you some stuff and then, and then you move on. So, you know, we, we still did that, but, um, obviously in, in a game uh, like halo, they, they typically will have something that like, for instance, like they'll have a key. Like if you press a, if you walk up to a console and you press a button, then that'll execute some sort of cinematic or something. And that way it, it yeah. keeps it simpatico with having like a four player co-op experience. Is that something that, that you guys also used as, as part of the, the experience or did you guys have something that, that was fundamentally different? No, I mean, we, we basically said like, you know, this is Call of Duty. We don't want to like go into like cutscene, you know, and, and it's, it's tough with cutscenes, right? Cause you really need like a quality team that's like focused to make cinematics. Right. Um, and we just didn't have that, you know, we weren't making it and we hadn't planned on it. So, um, well, plus COD so, was never really known for that anyway. They're like COD's always yeah. been known for like, you are literally taking part in like, yeah. like the said quote unquote cinematic where it's much more interactive. Yeah, exactly. So, 
I mean, we did some, we did some like gameplay tricks, right? Like we would do stuff like, um, you know, like we quickly found out that if you have four players shooting at AI, the AI just get destroyed, you know, like they're like, you can just hot knife through butter this game. So we would do little tricks like spawn extra guys. We would turn down the, like the health timers and like the recharge, you know, you know, shield timers on the, on the players and stuff, um, based on how many players were playing. Um, we'd up the accuracy on the AI and, and, and to kind of help balance it out, but it still never got to the point where like it felt like, Hey, if I'm on veteran with four players, it was actually like hard. Like you could, you could just rip through that game. Um, and I think at one point it was like too frustrating and we kind of dialed it back a bit. Maybe we patched it out later, but, um, yeah. So we just, so one of the other things that came up though, is like, Hey, we, like there's just not enough of these like kind of core cinematic like levels that are like these single player experiences. Like they didn't translate well into co-op. So we ended up making a batch of straight up single player levels that, um, you know, for, in terms of like the achie- getting achievements and stuff, you didn't have to like uh, beat them to like get get all the like game completion achievements. But th- that always like seemed like a, a like a really like kind of weird solution to me because you're like playing through the game and you're playing through the story. And if you're playing with your friends, like you would just not have certain levels should like play. And so you're like that was weird, and you'd have to go back in single player and play them kind of by yourself. So I think there was like one level that was like t- uh, kind of I think it was inspired by like Enemy at the Gates. Um, where there's like a scene where like, you know, you're supposed to time your shots with like the, you know, bombs going off or something. And so we did something similar where like, there's like planes flying overhead and you had to like time your shots with like planes flying overhead. Hmm. There's a very like kind of snipey, like stealthy level. Um, but it just, it it didn't ever work in co-op. So we just ended up making it a single player level. And there was another one that was a, uh, you were in, I think it was called like black cat and you were in this like, uh, airplane and kind of the DNA up to that point is like every level that like gray matter guys had worked on was like, had some sort of airplane level in it. So you were like, like in UO you're, it was called bomber. You're in like a, I think it was like a B, B 17 maybe. And you were on the side guns, um, shooting out at planes and stuff. And you were moving from like turret to turret and they were blowing parts of your plane off and all that. Um, so there was a level like that called Black Cat. And um, I think you ended up landing in the water because, hey, it's Pacific level. So you got to like land in the water, right? And then, uh, <laughs> you know, you, re- you rescue soldiers that were like trapped in the water and you like fly off and do it again. So, um, yeah. Um, so let's see. Uh, yeah. So like it was, it was kind of just like, you know, we did, we, we were trying to make this core co-op game, but then, and people liked it, but then people were like, Hey, we kind of missed some of these single player experiences. And so the creative director at the time said, well, we're just going to make some single player levels and throw them in there. And that didn't make the design team too happy, but we just kind of said like, all right, let's just do it anyway. Um, and, uh, yeah. And then, <laughs> and then it gets into like, you know, the end of that project is where things I'm like, I'm sitting here thinking like, I don't know if this game's going to be that good. Like we tried all these things. I don't know if they're going to pan out. Like, um, and then, you know, somebody came to me and said, Hey, we need, we need an extra mode. Um, kind of like modern warfare has this arcade mode where, um, it's like, it's like the third mode, right? It's like you beat the game and you can like run around and you can shoot guys and get points and you can turn on these different, like, you know, filter effects and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, okay, that's cool. And I'll think about it. And then, um, you know, this, this gets into like, kind of like the zombie stuff, right. Where eventually, um, I was like, Hey, let's, let's do like a tower defense game. Like tower defense is hot right now. Um, it's super fun. And I I think around that time, like I, I, like iPhone had just come out, you know, so it wasn't like mobile phones were like, you know, like mobile phones are out, but it wasn't like iPhones and touchscreens were a big deal. Right. Right. So most people were playing these games on like PC, like flash and stuff. So, um, so yeah, so um, one of the other, like another producer was like, Hey, I have this idea. It's called bunker defense. 
Um, and so basically that design was basically you're just running through levels that had already been made and guys were just getting like kind of increasingly harder. And I was like, that's not tower defense. Like tower defense is you're in one spot and you're defending it. And, and then the, what's coming at you is getting increasingly harder and you're building up your defenses and seeing how far you can get kind of thing. Um, and so I was sitting at my desk one day and I was thinking like, I was, you know, I was like, there, like I had these animations in the, cause I, I did the, the beach assault level from world at war, uh-huh. like the, it was called Paleloo. And that was done like really early. Like that was also like kind of our green light, like early, you know, demo, like let's, let's get this game made kind of thing. And, um, the thing that always stuck with me was the, I had these like Japanese soldiers that like were on the beach and you, you do this like naval bombardment mechanic and you kind of, you know, hit the beach and it kind of clears it out and there's this bunch of destruction. And then as you come up over the hill, you see all these like Japanese soldiers like stunned and kind of like walking around and shambling. And I was like, Oh, this, this looks like, like zombies. This is crazy. You know? And that was like a year before I'd even thought about like making zombie mode. But that, that 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 was was the moment where like it planted a seed in your ear, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So I was like, I was like, oh, so, and you know, I'm playing the level every day, right? And like making it better and stuff. And so I'm watching this and I'm kind of thinking about how, you know, funny this looks or whatever. Um, and then, um, and then like the, t- and then it was like, hey, we need this extra game mode. And then, uh, by the way, we, ha- you know, it's like we have co op, right? So th- I kind of had this like epiphany moment where I was like, oh, like, what if it were Nazi zombies? <laughs> it was, it was like literally like that. I was just like, whoa, like, and it all kind of like came together in my head really quick. And, um, and then I told some people about it and I was like, yeah, you could do like, t- you know, these tower defense mechanics. And, uh, you know, one of my other buddies, uh, who works at respawn said, Hey, you know, you should check out this game called last stand. It's just like flash game. And you're, you're, but you know, basically like fighting against zombie hordes in this tower defense thing. And I was like, Oh yeah, this is, this is perfect. So, and I was sitting there thinking like, Oh, you could do, this is going to be great. Like you can do it all in first person and you can have it all be immersive and, and, you know, kind of in the moment, like call of duty style, but it's tower defense and, um, you know, you can take the guns away from them. And so you can, you can really like take your time to like get the shots on these guys and we have dismemberment. So it works for zombies. And so I was kind of explaining to some people and they, they just thought I, my, I was going crazy. Like I just <laughs> lost my mind. Like you're like, what is like, he's been crunching so much and poor Jesse, like he has, you know, oh, no idea what he's talking it. about anymore. <laughs> yeah. And so, so, um, and you know, meanwhile, this bunker defense game mode is getting made and, and I'm like sitting here going like, uh, you know, this, I, we need to do something about this. Like this, this isn't going to be good. Um, so I just started making zombie mode in, in my quote unquote spare time, which amounted to like one and two and three and 4.00 AM on like Sundays. You know what I mean? Wow. Like, um, because we were, we were like an alpha basically, or yeah, I think around alpha when I started working on it, um, which is, you know, close to ship. Let's see. So that might've been like, I, I don't know the exact date. So we shipped in November. So maybe like, let's see, oh, maybe August, September, November, yeah, maybe like, no, not, not October, but maybe August or September. I don't know. It's hard to say. It was really late. Like, I mean, we only worked on it for a couple months and then the game shipped. So wait, you only worked uh, on, on zombies for a couple of months. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, it like the game was like getting, getting wrapped up. And I mean, that's why there's only one level in it. And that's why the mechanics weren't like fully developed, you know, and all that good stuff. But, um, yeah, so it was, it was a very short, uh, production and it was basically just me at first, um, kind of prototyping it. And I, I, I pulled this, um, this like house out of one of the Russian campaigns. And I used that as my first like test bed where, um, you know, you could, it was like a two story house. And I was like, okay, let's test out like zombies breaking through walls, you know, coming in through windows. 
and, um, uh, you know, kind of using the dismemberment that we already had. And I was stubbing in animations. Like I used the animations stubbins for my level. And, but, and then it was like, they did, we didn't have like zombie animation tear down stuff. So like guys were just using their like rifle, butt melee animation to like knock in down windows and stuff, but it got the idea across mm-hmm. and, and people started looking at it and they're like, Whoa, this is like really cool. This is fun because we were playing it in co-op. And you know, at the time, like nobody had been doing anything like that where you were like, you know, I don't think left for dead was out. I don't think horde mode, horde mode hadn't come out yet for gears of war. So people were playing this and they were like, Whoa, this is like a brand new game experience. This is crazy. Um, and then, you know, the point was just to just see how long you could live, right? Like tower defense. So people were super into it. And then a bunch of other team members just start helping out. They start pitching in and it's like, Hey, what if, uh, what if I made you some new, uh, zombie art? And I was like, yeah, that sounds awesome, man. And Hey, what if, uh, I made you, you know, eye color, you know, <laughs> variations. I was like, yeah, it sounds great. You know? So I was just kind of jamming stuff in and, you know, I have um, this whole, but at the same time, what's that? I, I have this total mental image of you, like you know, you're you're working like crazy, feverishly at your desk, and like just some random person comes comes by and goes, eh, "What if I were to uh, give me some yeah. uh, textures for that?" And you're like, "Oh yeah, it's yeah. fine, great." You keep working, and then all of a sudden, someone else comes by and just kind of, "What if I were to?" Uh? <laughs> the whole time, <laughs> it's like happened. <laughs> it was, it, you know, and um, it, you know, Activision, you know, kind of production and stuff wasn't super happy about it, like Treyarch production, because you know they were like stressed that the game wasn't going to get done, the core game, right? And here, I, and I was lead designer on that game, so here I am, like lead designer, you know, trying to get the game out the door, but at the same time, I'm kind of working on this like clandestine, like underground, you know, Skunk Works project. And people are adding to it. So that's stressing them out even more. They're like, why aren't you guys like, you know, finishing the art for the core levels and stuff. But it was like a project of passion, right? People just kind of could tell that it was fun and, and different and new and, and there was something there. Um, and so, yeah, um, it, you know, we kept working on it, working on it. And then um, another guy uh, was like, hey, let, like, you know, and I can't remember if I went to him or he came to me, but he was like, it was, he was like, Hey, I got, you know, here's this section of this level that I want to use for the, for the main map. And that ended up being the, the knocked map. Um, that was like the one that shipped. Uh-huh. Um, and, and, th- and that guy works at, uh, his name's Christian. He works at, he works at respawn now, but, um, he, um, so yeah, he made the original map and he just basically cut that uh, section out of his, uh, he had the, he had a Paleo level as well, which was like this airfield mission. So if you go back and play the airfield mission from, from world at war, you'll see that the knocked building there, but, um, you can run around in it and stuff. But, um, yeah, so then we took that and kind of adjusted it a little bit, made some tweaks and stuff. And, um, you know, started putting in the, you know, where we thought like the flow was going to be of like locking areas off and holding you in one area. And then, um, you know, having to open up other areas with, um, you know, like shooting zombies and getting points and kind of spending those points to, to open up more stuff. And yeah, it's just straight up tower defense mechanics really. Um, and, um, yeah. And then it, then it kind of like, <laughs> it was interesting cause it, they, they told us to stop working on it and they said, we were like, stop just, we got to finish the core game. And, and they were like, you know, pretty upset about it. And we're like, okay, we'll stop working on it. And like a week or two went by. And after that, they were like, all right, we're going to ship this. It's too good. (laughs) Like they were like mad. (laughs) They're like mad at us. They were like, we don't want to ship it, but we're going to ship it. And, um, okay. And they didn't want me working on it as much. So I kind of took like a, a more background role and, uh, another scripter, um, who works at IW, his name's Mike Denny. He finished it out and added kind of all the polish work and, and really like it was kind of the reason it got finished. Um, um, and yeah, and then it goes out the door and, and, you know, turns out, you know, people really liked it. And that was, that was kind of surprised how, how big it ended up getting. Like that was kind of the, the, the craziest part for me has been like kind of 
because you know i walked away from it right um and you know, we can get into that bit too but um I, you know i walked away from it and then it, it really took off so like so when I went to apply at 343 Industries, which wasn't 343 Industries, and I was just like a Halo internal studio. Right. But, um, when I went there, they were like, what's this zombies thing? Like, okay, whatever. You worked on Call of Duty. That's all that we care about. Like, okay. <laughs> we'll check mark that little box. COD. Okay, yeah. you're hired. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. So, yeah. Um, I feel like I should stop and you should ask some questions. <laughs> like I'm just <laughs> this been, is like, great, dude. I'm just letting okay, you go. Cool. All this stuff is just fantastic. Yeah, no, um, yeah. I... <laughs> I, I suppose what we could do just, just because since we've been talking about the, the zombies portion of it, um, we can pivot a little bit just based on something that happened recently, which was that uh, yeah. you revealed on Twitter recently that uh, Treyarch had um, changed the origin story regarding your efforts on Call of Duty. Can you share with us uh, what all that is about? Yeah, sure. So like, this is a thing that just happens. And, and like, I've been part of this even, and I, I kind of feel bad about it. But like, when you're at like a major studio, um, they get to tell the story that they, they, they want to tell, right? Um, and whatever sounds the best for PR reasons or marketing or whatever, right? And, you know, ultimately games are like an entertainment product. Right. And so, um, so in, you know, and I, and I always tell people this, it's like, he's like, yes, Treyarch made it because I was working at Treyarch when I made it. So technically, so, I mean, Treyarch made it, right? Like, that's just how it is. Like that, that's the company I was at. They own it. Like they own the IP. It's all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So, and that's kind of what you sign up for when you work at a studio. Um, but so, you know, and then I, in the past they've said some stuff and I kind of just like, they'll change little bits of the story here and there. Like I, like one time I read that, um, people were working on this in their free bits of lunchtime. And I was like, that's totally like maybe a few people, but that's not how it really was, man. We were there till like crazy hours doing stuff. But, um, um, yeah, so they, they kind of get to tell their own story and, and that's all well and good. But when, when like kind of really key components start changing. So like the last thing I saw was, uh, I, you know, I read this article polygon, po you know, posted it where they said that, um, yeah, um, what did they say that the, the yeah, like the original map was some in, random engineer or something, mm. and um, I, there are a few other kind of inconsistencies there, and it started to get to me because the more that these these uh, the more companies tell the story and it gets away from the truth, it um, it kind of like belittles you know what people actually when they actually did the work, um, it 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 like takes something away from that, you know? Mm. Um, and, and it's not even like I'm saying like, Hey, you should credit this person's name directly. Like it's, it's not that it's just like, just make sure that you're, that when you're saying like, like who did it and how it came to be, that it actually like makes sense based on reality. I don't know. Um, well, you, you, just <laughs> so, want, you want to give credit where credit is due. I mean, like a studio like that was able to monetarily benefit from this yeah. great idea that you had and that other people contributed to. And you want to make sure that that just, once again, the, the it, it's it doesn't cost anything to to pay the proper respects to the person who actually came up with an idea. Yeah, I think that's I think that's what maybe bothers me the most about it is like, all right, so the company you know profit profited from it, they continue to profit, and you know, and, and that's 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 fine. But like uh, the only thing that the designers and the people that worked on it like can take away from that is, um, you know, if they've left or whatever, is the fact that they were there when it happened or that they worked on it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so when that gets taken away, that's like, now there's nothing left. And, you know, a buddy of mine, uh, you know, he kind of said it the best. He's like, now imagine you're, you're going for some job and you say, Hey, I, I made this like wonderful feature. 
for this game and they're, you know, and the companies that you're trying to apply for is like super excited to hire you for this thing that you, that, that you did. And you can like explain everything about it, but then they go and read an article that says you have nothing to do with it or that's like completely different than your story. Um, they're going to, you know, they're going to maybe pause for a second and they might ask some questions, which is fine, but they might, they, you know, there could be conflict internally, um, you know, within the hiring managers, like, well, we don't know if we believe him and that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Um, yep. And so and now that can like hurt people's futures. Right. And that's, that's where I'm like, I start to draw the line. Um, and that's where I come out of the woodwork and I go, ah, like you guys can't say that stuff. You gotta, you gotta fix it. So, um, you know, I've been pretty quiet about all this stuff. I mean, I, I you know, people that work with me, you know, like I went to infinity ward and, um, I didn't, you know, they made a zombie mode. I had nothing to do with it. I didn't, didn't even talk. I like barely talked to anybody on that zombie team. And that's purely just because uh, of, of my kind of work ethic or whatever creative kind of ethic where I kind of feel like everyone that's creative needs to have their own space to, to like define their own vision. Sure. And it's, it's, you don't want people like interfering with that. And so I, I, I kind of sense that I could be a, like a political lightning rod or something, you know, um, if I were, to come over there and say, well, that's not what I would do if I was making zombies, you know, even though I made it, but that's not what I would do, you know? And so, so I just, you know, I just gave them their space and, and they kind of did their own thing and that was cool, you know? And I, and I had like tons of other stuff to do on, on the campaign side of infinite warfare anyway. So it wasn't like I really wanted to do that, but. Um, well, and I think that that's, that's a mature approach to take. I mean, I think that when you work in any industry and the gaming industry is no different, I mean, it takes a certain level of, mature constitution to be able to look at something like that and be like, you know what? It's, it, it's a really neat notion to, to just, you know, understand the fact that you're the one who was part of the OG group that actually spawned this whole zombies mode. And the fact right. that you can just, just, it's almost like passing of the torch, right? Like you, you, yeah. you just pass it on to the next room and be like, here, the, here's where we started. I'd like to see where you take it and run with it. And who knows, maybe they'll have other ideas that will build upon the foundation that you guys actually cultivated. And, and that, and that's also can be a, a very positive thing as well. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's, it's interesting. Cause I, I get like kind of emotional <laughs> when it comes to games in a way, like when the games I've worked on, like I, I typically don't like to go back and play them. Um, a, because I think about sort of the, the, all the problems that I still see, like, I was like, Oh, we never fixed that or, you know, whatever. And all <laughs> yep. I can, all, you know, it's tough. Um, or B it's like, Hey, I remember when this guy said this thing to me and it upset me or, Hey, I remember when, you know, like this other guy flipped out because he was crunching too much. You know what I mean? So, um, it, it's like, I, I have this kind of different sense of the games I've worked on. It's really hard for me to go back and play them. Um, uh, and so e even with the zombie stuff, like when I walked away from it, I, I mean, I, I, I think I played black ops two zombies and I, I, and I kind of have dove in a slightly into the, some of the other ones, but for the most part, I just, I'm like, Oh cool. People still like zombies. That's awesome. And I'll, I'll maybe watch some videos and stuff, but I, I tend to stay away from it just because, you know, it just brings up all those memories again. And it's, it's like almost like PTSD or something, you know? So I, I, I have some of those as well. I know exactly what you're talking about. I, th I think that yeah. for most people who work in the industry, there, there probably is something kind of similar to that. And actually I think the movie industry bear some of those same uh, parallels yeah. as well. Cause I have some friends who work there where like, I actually just recently I, I um, called up a buddy of mine who worked on the Avengers. Um, and mm. uh, I was just like, Oh my gosh, the movie was so good. I just, ah, and he just, you know, totally yep. geeking out about it. And he was like, Oh, thanks man. Yeah, that's cool. And I was like, what, yep. why, why are you not as excited as I am? <laughs> yep. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a whole different mindset. Yeah, it, it really is. I mean, and, and he kind of alluded to that too. I mean, he told me some things about just some of the, 
um, uh, politics, you know, office politics stuff that was happening. And, and so like it, it does kind of change it, you know, it, he, I think he still enjoys it, but there are certain things obviously that cause more of a, a, I guess more of a tempered response as opposed to just totally geeking out over it. But anyway, yeah. sorry. I, I totally just was, I was totally no, no, in line with what you were saying there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think like, it's, it's funny too. Like as a creative person, you like, I, I always think like, what's the next thing, you know? So like, I, I try not to dwell too much on like what, what has been done. You know, I want to like always innovate and create something new and, and try different stuff. So um, yeah, it's funny. It's like, like, one of my like favorite like family stories is my dad. Like he's, uh, he's an artist in Oregon, you know, he's a retired teacher, but he's an artist and stuff. But in the, in the nineties, he, um, he made a couple fonts that became really popular. Um, one's called marker felt. Um, another one's called Snyder speed. And so he used to do like shareware and stuff. And, uh, he, you know, he released them out, you know, in the public and people would pay him like 10 bucks and we get these checks that show up every once in a while. And then one day like Apple, yeah, it was, it was cool. But then one day Apple sent him a letter and they're like, Hey, we, we'd like to license your fonts, um, you know, to be in like OS 10. And he's like, okay. And so they, you know, they, they paid him some money. And, and, uh, so marker felt showed up in OS 10 and I think it was like on the first iPhone and stuff. And, uh, and, and like now you like see, like, I, like I walk around I'll go to the store and I'll see like his fonts everywhere and I'll see like, Oh, there's Snyder speed. Like, that's my name. You know, like, that's cool. Um, <laughs> that's so cool. And you can like, you can like check these fonts out and it's like, yeah, it's my dad. And he's just like this, you know, old retired dude, like in Oregon or whatever. But, um, uh, but so like later in life, um, you know, he, d- he does a lot of like painting and mixed media arts and sculpting and stuff. And he was like, Hey, you want to do my website? And, uh, I was like, yeah, sure. And so, um, I was like, yeah, do you want to put your, like, your, your fonts and stuff on there. You know, you're really known for that. And he's like, no, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> so I was like, okay. Wow. Like, you know, you know what I mean? Like, he's just like, I just want to, I just want what I'm doing now. So people can see what I'm doing now because that's all I care about. Like, and, and so I've always kind of taken that away from him is like, that's how I treat a lot of creative endeavors. And, and it, you know, it's just like, yeah, like zombies happen and that's, that's cool. And, and like, I'm proud of it and I'm glad it happened, but I also don't like really dwell on it that much. And people that work with me know, I don't almost ever bring it up. And I don't, I'm not, I don't, when I introduce myself, you know, typically I'm not like, I'm the zombie guy or, you know, whatever. Right. I'm just like, I just like, I'm, you know, doing what I'm doing now. And if people want to talk about it, that's fine. But, uh, yeah, you know, I got, I got other things to try to make now. So has Treyarch actually reached out to you since you were, um, talking about that on Twitter? Uh, no, no, I don't, I don't, I, I, I mean, it's interesting because I've talked to some of the other people that were there at the time and, you know, we've kind of commiserated about stuff and, and, um, you know, there might, there might be a correction soon on the polygon side coming up. Uh, we'll see, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Treyarch's, I'm sure Treyarch's got their hands full with like, I think they just like released uh, or revealed their game and people are excited about that. And, and, you know, they're, you know, it's a big juggernaut of a, of a studio and there's a lot of fans out there. And so they probably don't, a want the distraction and you know B probably don't care that much about you yeah. know if, if they're like if it gets corrected it gets corrected and they'll just move on or whatever I'm sure but yeah yeah um, a couple other questions regarding Call of Duty um, so you obviously have worked on a, a number of, of COD titles here and I, I just kind of want to pivot a bit to sure what is it's just, it's, it's always fun to hear about these kind of coming of age stories as, as it applies to triple a titles. And for you, I mean, call of duty is just, it's the creme de la creme, you know, it's one of the top 
series of, of games in gaming as a whole. And mm-hmm. obviously when you, when you're working with the team and you're doing what you're doing, you've got to have a moment where you sit back. Like once, once a game goes gold and, and you're, you're sitting back and you're watching just, just how successful it's becoming. What, what are like kind of the psychological reactions that not only you alone, but also just collectively as a team, I mean, what, what was, obviously you guys were excited. I mean, that, that goes without saying like, oh wow. Yeah. Okay. We're going to make lots of money. This is great. Blah, blah, like what, but I'm just curious. I mean, it, what was your, your kind of like lingering reaction to the overall success of the series? Oh uh, yeah. It's, it's crazy. Right. Because like I said, like when I started, I was thinking I was going to work on like Wolfenstein and then they're like, here, take this call of duty thing that no one knows about. And we're like, okay, you know? And so uh, that kind of set the tone maybe from the beginning where I wasn't like, I was never like super impressed by call of duty. Like I, like it's funny because I, I, I love call of duty. Actually. I, you know, I like to play it. I think it's like a great shooter. It's super fun. And like, like I said, it innovated in in all these ways. But at the time I was like, ah, man, I really just want to work on Wolfenstein, you know? So, so that was kind of like funny, but, um, Bethesda, if you're listening, you heard yeah, it right yeah, here. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like, I like, uh, yeah. I mean, like they're, when they read it, like Wolfenstein, I was like, Ooh, this is really cool. Like that was a really fun game, but, uh-huh. um, and the narrative and stuff. But, uh, yeah. So then, you know, it's like, like I said, then it's like big red one and cod three, we just like slammed through those and we didn't even see the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, and it was just a blur. And like, literally when I took, uh, you know, time off after big red one, I, I just, played world of warcraft for about a month straight i didn't leave the house i was just like oh my god i get to play a video game like you know warcraft is out now like I, you know i'm just and so and and i'm i you know you can i i'm i'm pretty good at like shutting out media i guess um and, and kind of as a habit of just working in call of duty like typically people don't want uh you know either you just can't do it because of ndas you can't talk about like things that happened and all that kind of stuff um and so so, you know, I, I try to like stay away from a lot of the reaction stuff. Like I'll read a couple articles. I'll maybe look at the Metacritic score and it's done. But uh, it's it's funny because if you get too far into that, you'll you'll drive yourself crazy because yeah. you'll see like people will say things that you agree with or, th- you're like, you know, because they might be like, oh, this feature is really awesome. And, and you're like, yeah, that was me. Or, and I told that guy that, you know, we should have done it or, you know, vice versa. Right. Um and so it, it can play like mind games with you or they're like, oh, we didn't like this thing. And you're like, why didn't they like it? It was so good. And everyone else likes it or, you know, whatever. So um, I, I, I just try to stay away from that stuff as much as possible. Um, uh, but kind of just, you know, thinking about like reactions, it's it's always nice because, you know, when it when it comes to gaming, like Call of Duty is ubiquitous. So if you if you're talking to people about games, it's like, oh, hey, you know, my son plays Call of Duty. And you're like, yeah, I worked on that. And they're like, oh, cool. And what's funny is it, it, it can go one of two ways. Um, sometimes people are like, oh, that's really cool. Tell me more. But more often than not, they make the joke. It's like, oh, well, you're take, you know, taking his time away, you know, whatever. Like they're almost like <laughs> mad at me for making the game, um, you know, so or like, oh, we had to ground him and we had to take his Call of Duty away or whatever. So they just they start pointing a finger. Oh, so you're the one that's bloody. Yeah, you're like, yeah, oh, yeah, exactly. that's me. <laughs> yep. Have you ever walked yep. into a GameStop where like no one knows who you are and all of a sudden you just oh, kind of go, ah, yeah, I worked on that. And all of a sudden you see everyone's like eyeballs get all big. You're like, oh, and they treat it you gets, like an insta celebrity. 
<laughs> yeah. Like I'm, I'm one of these people that I don't like a lot of the kind of attention around that. Cause I, you know, I got a wife and a kid and like, sure. you know, I don't, I don't want, you know, it's like you hear people like getting death threats and stuff and I'm just like, all right, well, I don't want to be part of that. So, right. so I don't advertise it very often, but, um, what it's fun is like just, you know, it's like I'll walk you know, walking around going to GameStop and people will be like, oh, this, the new zombies is out. And I'm like, yeah, it's cool. You know, like I made that. Yeah. Or, you know, um, <laughs> or like, oh, this new, you know, this Call of Duty's cool or whatever. And, and you just like hear them talking about it. You know, same thing on Halo. When I worked on Halo, um, it was, it was kind of fun to hear, you know, it's always fun to kind of be anonymous and hear people talk about stuff that you worked on in like a, you know, generally in a positive way. And, you know, you can feel good about that, but it's not, you know, it's not like I want to be like, Boom, I made it. Yeah, what's, what now? What do you think of that? You know, and then they're like, oh my God, you know, like, um, you I, may I tend now to like kiss live, live the, the more, royal hand, if you wish. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. I live the more quiet life, so I kind of like to keep it that way, but no, that, and here that, I am doing a podcast. Just kidding. But. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, another question I, I love asking, and this is, this is a, just a, a great one for folks like yourselves who are game designers, but, um, were there any gameplay mechanics that you wish you could have added into any of your, your call of duty games or by the time that where they were released, I'm, I'm assuming there's, there must be something that you were thinking, Oh, it'd be so cool if we could add this. Um, so let me think about that. There's like in, when we, when we originally did zombies, um, I had planned for you to turn into a zombie after you like died. Um, and then you could like attack your friends and stuff. And we actually had it working, but we couldn't polish it in time. And so that was one of the things that like got cut. Um, but I think in hindsight, that was probably better. Uh, I, I think they added it in a, like a subsequent like Treyarch game, uh, but I never played it. So I don't, I don't know the details around it, but um, cause it kind of went, it, what ended up happening is I, I thought about it afterwards and it kind of went against like some of the core design tenants I had, which was like when you're playing co-op zombies that everything betters the entire team. So there's no like competitive, there's nothing that gets like makes it feel competitive in any way. So like if you pick up, um, you know, like one of the power ups, it benefits everybody in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, so, so that was one, but again, like that was kind of like, eh, I'm probably, probably glad it didn't make it in. Um, there's, there's, so when I left I, IW, I can't say what it is, but I, I came up with this mechanic and, um, somebody else actually ended up implementing it. And I'm, I'll be curious to see if it actually makes it into, the next uh, IW COD game, mm-hmm. but um, uh, <laughs> I like how you said that. You're like, I'm Ron Burgundy. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, ah, I hope it makes it in. <laughs> but uh, you know, it, but I'm trying to like be careful because I don't want to get like sued by anybody. But yes, um, yes, we definitely yes. do not want you to get sued by anybody. That'd be, that'd be counterproductive. <laughs> so I'm trying to avoid all that stuff. But um, if it if it makes it in, I'll be like, you know, you can you can call me up. Or whatever, and we could do another one of these when the, when their game eventually comes out. Sure, we can talk yeah. about that, and I can tell you which one it is if it's in there. But uh, that that's one where I'm like, ooh, this is like this could be like a game changer kind of mechanic, um, you know. So we'll see. I don't want to give too much away. <laughs> I keep stopping myself. So <laughs> I'm just like you I'm talk. Excited you about just it. keep talking cool. as long as you want, Jesse. I'm, yeah. I'm all ears. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> so uh, I'm trying to think if there's any other things that like, but I mean, yeah, that's, you know, there's always, um, you know, it's, it's interesting because Call of Duty is typically a kind of a level to level, like the mechanics are built for, you know, custom to that level. And so usually it's like, oh, here's like this, this, um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of something like, here, here's this thing where we got to plant charges and that's like a type of mechanic or here's where you get to call an airstrikes and that's like a particular mechanic and those are all, 
usually set per level. And, and I mean, we did a lot with Infinite Warfare. I got a lot of that out, man, because I was like, I was gameplay director on that game. I mean, we did all kinds of stuff. Like we had, we had planned like, you know, side missions and, you know, in, in, you know, with vehicle gameplay in them and like full, you know, vehicle side missions. And we had like, you know, spider grenade mechanics. And we had like, you know, you could assume control of other robots. And, you know, it, I mean, we had all kinds of crazy stuff in that. So that's where I, we just kind of went wild with gameplay in terms of like what, what Call of Duty could do. Yeah, and, well, and that was really the, the point of Infinite Warfare was we were sitting here going like, well, we want to do a bunch of like new gameplay in Call of Duty. Well, how can we do it? Well, what if we like, what if we set it in space? And like, we had some other ideas for settings, but space ended up being the one that like kind of like took off, you know? Um, and it's always interesting because I know that game like like critically didn't get very well received for any number of reasons, but I'm actually really proud of it. I think like the single player turned out like really well. Um, but, I you know, it, okay, I'm here to tell you. I've got to interrupt you here. I loved the single player campaign in Call of Duty: Infinite Warfare. I that's was awesome. I was talking to Sean about it because Sean had called me up. We were and, and he wanted me to critique it, and I'm playing the game, and I'm like, dude, because so. Um, one of the things that um, I haven't told you about is with Call of Duty, I suck at multiplayer. <laughs> like, <laughs> sure. I am yeah. the worst at, the, at Call of Duty multiplayer, but I love buying the games because of the cinematic, memorable moments, the scripting events, like what you're talking about. Like, just, just being mm -hmm. able to be the soldier in this situation that's bigger than me, and I'm just, you know, I'm thrust into these different situations and whatnot. And Call of Duty Infinite Warfare was a bold step away from the safe zone because yep. just, just what you mentioned earlier in the program, Activision is looking at it as, okay, here's our safe area. Clearly we have a bonafide hit on our hands. We could just keep churning out these kind of World War II-esque, you know, they kind of went into modern yeah. warfare and that sort of thing, but but we could just rinse and repeat this, this same type of scenario and people will buy it simply because they just love Call of Duty. Yep. And for Infinite Warfare, man, like what a departure that was. I mean, just everything in the single player experience i was glued i was staying up till like 3 a.m in the morning playing that game and was just absolutely riveted by not only like the the storyline the, the the brand new types of gameplay mechanics that were introduced just because you're in space it's a completely different paradigm altogether when you compare it to, to all the stuff that has happened before um and I'm killing myself right now because I cannot remember the name. What is the name of that cyborg that is helping you out? Oh, Ethan. Ethan. Oh yeah, my gosh, dude. Okay. Ethan is hands down one of my favorite, like supportive characters in gaming period. Like, I don't know who came up with Ethan, but <laughs> Ethan that is was like a narrative team. They dude. were like, yeah. Kudos I mean, to whoever did that. Yeah. Cause like I absolutely loved like, even like with the, the game design, the game mechanics of that too, just, just the way how he was able to, to come in at different critical moments and support you and that sort of thing. I mean, I, I could just totally take this whole entire interview over and just spill my guts about how much I enjoy that game. But please continue. That's awesome. No, no, that's great. <laughs> I, I love hearing it. Cause like that's, that's one of those games where it's like another one where we kind of killed ourselves and went through a lot of, uh, you know, kind of craziness internally to get that game out the door. And, uh, you know, and then like, it, it was like, <laughs> it was, that was a really kind of fascinating, it's like every game, I always tell people, it's like every game that I work on is like, 
is just full of surprises. You can never predict anything that's going to happen, you know? And so then you just get used to that mindset and then you're, you just become Zen to it, I guess. But, um, it's like, that was one where, you know, when we did the big reveal, um, people were like, what is this? You know? And they were kind of, it was almost like on the fence, but then we had this, uh, what was it like the the Bowie cover song that like like turned a lot of people off and then we got like the most disliked you know YouTube um you know video of all time at that time or whatever and and that was just like you know and you're sitting here trying to be like creative and make a good game and and you want to entertain people but on the flip side you're seeing like people just get like bent out of shape over this and it's like disheartening you know it's like how do you how do you kind of finish this game in a good way and it almost becomes self-defeating because people are like less motivated now, you know, and, and that kind of stuff. But well, uh, and it's tough because you have some of the most diehard, passionate fans out there that, yep. that just absolutely love Call of Duty. They're obviously very opinionated, and you as a team, I mean, it, it, for them to have that type of response, I, I mean, it, it's totally expected of the fact that like it's going to take yeah. wind out of your sails, creatively speaking. But still, though, I mean. Dude, we couldn't, like, we couldn't predict. Story. Yeah, no, it was, it was like, I, I, I'm like, if I can have fun playing the single player, then, you know, we've succeeded. And like, we, we came up with some really cool mechanics, you know, and we kind of said like, Hey, let's, let's let people like the design kind of angle was like, let's pe- let people play through this kind of how they want to, um, and let them have all the tools at their disposal to be able to play it. So like, if you want to, you know, if you want to chuck spider grenades, that's cool. If you want to have a shield that you can like play defense kind of, you know, your way through, that's cool too. You know, if you want to almost play like a controller character and like take assume control over like the, the robots, that's cool too. So we kind of approached it that way. Um, and then, you know, we had all these like tech gadgets and stuff like different types of grenades and things. Like we had like the, um, Oh, was it like the shot grenades? You know, they're so they like shoot electricity out and like, you know, and cause me, chain reactions and stuff. Let so. me tell you, it worked, Jesse. I'm here to tell you that like <laughs> awesome. that was a completely dynamic experience. Like as and I, I have nothing invested in this. I, I'm just an outsider playing the yeah. game. I loved how organic that whole thing was because I was switching to different grenade types on the fly. I was having fun with different types of scenarios where like I would be more like in a, like an assault mode versus more just kind of playing on the wrong, along the, uh, the outskirts and play more defense and whatnot. Every one of those different. Um, components that you just mentioned, I, I'm totally playing it back in my head. I'm like, yeah, I remember I remember doing that. I remember taking this, doing the shock, like the shock grenades were awesome. And then of course, yeah. also just like the little, like, I don't even know what the correct <laughs> terminology is, but like the, the cool like harpoon thing where you can like stick a, to an enemy and then like, like, Basically, like like you're you're skewering them with it, and then you can like move up toward them and shove them out of the way and that sort of thing. All that stuff is just badass. Yeah, yeah, that was like a really like we we just kind of decided to go kind of wild with the mechanics. Um, and like I said, that was all in part of like like you know like we'd come off so 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 when I went back to Infinity Ward, I was working on Call of Duty Ghosts, and so I sh- I shipped uh, Call of Duty Ghosts. I was there for the last year of it basically, and you know Ghosts was like kind of like all right are are we gonna just keep doing this now like are we just gonna keep doing like more of the same sort of thing like creatively it it gets tiring right because you're like well like what can we do differently this time and it was like what about a dog you know and that was kind of like the craziest thing we could come up with that was like new and and innovative but i like the dog too yeah the dog worked out but that was also one of those things where it kind of came on a little bit late later and didn't get well integrated because of the way the studio was set up um like at the time, Infinity Ward was very flat, and so there was there wasn't like a central governing kind of lead designer or anything like that. So, 
um, like lead designers were just like working on more levels basically. And so you people were were just kind of left to make whatever they wanted for their level, but then we they knew that they were doing a dog. So so it didn't it didn't become like a like a game-wide mechanic, right? It was like the dog like Riley showed up in a few levels and and that was kind of it, you know. And it, and it, it had like a little story, but then it just kind of petered out, you know. Um and and Ghost is another kind of again like fascinating story in the way games are made because that was three studios working on that game simultaneously, like like never uh Neversoft and Raven and Infinity Ward all kind of working co-equally on different parts of the game. Um and so that's probably what you know why like not of the like a lot of the mechanics and and sort of narrative didn't tie together as well as it should have you know mm. um and then then and then when we when we went to infinite warfare that's when we kind of changed everything we merged neversoft into infinity ward and we went with a more like you know kind of classic like lead director structure um and then that's why you'll see like in infinite warfare the narrative is like way better. Like it's like way, you know, it's well-defined and like, you know, characters have arcs and there's like plot turn, you know, character turns and, and plot twists and all that kind of stuff. And then mechanically, like everything feels, you know, way more put together. Like you have side missions that were planned from the beginning, um, you know, and that you could like, you know, the ship assault missions that, you know, you could go on or like the jackal missions that are a completely other set of, uh, you know, side missions. Um, and like, the like I said, like the mechanics of like, you know, just the way the weapons and abilities are are kind of you can use them basically in any level um, at will. So, you know, there's like upgrade. We were trying to do like upgrades and stuff and all that. But and, and like, we, I mean, we left some stuff on the cutting room floor. That one too. Like, we were we were getting even more ambitious with like, uh, you know, you were you're going to be able to collect uh, like items from fallen enemies um, and use those as like ways to feed your like 3D printer back on the on the retribution right. and. And uh, you know, upgrade your your weapons and, and all that good stuff. But it, it, that like got cut like at the very last second. Um, so we kind of had to like you know do a U turn on some of that stuff and just get what we could out the door. But ultimately, I don't think it would have like met our Metacritic score any higher. You know, it was like we had enough trouble just getting that game out the door. It was a pretty ambitious game, and we kind of had to you know. I was like. You know, we th- we, I think we were just naive in a way. Like it was like, oh, it's it, it's a space game. We can just use space reference stuff, and we can just you know come up with whatever for art, and we'll figure it out. But when you're working on a traditional Call of Duty game, you know, you can draw reference from. You can just look outside and take pictures, right? You can just like, hey, there's a there's a car. Let's just take that and let's make that car in the game. But when you're doing like a sci-fi game, you can't do that anymore. It t- like the the length of time it takes to get an asset in game just goes up exponentially because. You have to concept it first, and then the concepts have to get approved, and it has to fit the art style that you know that makes sense for the universe that we're creating out of thin air, right? And um, and then you know those assets have to get made, but then like hey, they don't look exactly like the concept art because again, you're not using photo reference, so it just it just took longer than we thought it would, and then there was a lot of just going back and forth, like what's the like oh, the jackal is like this this like. Uh, you know, whatever. It's like the there are you know because the, the the game was really about like it was kind of like top. We we're trying to make it like Top Gunish in a way, you know, like it was like Top Gun in space, and you're like uh-huh. you're like these like sp- you know like fighter pilot jockey. But so anyway, the jackal was really important to get to look right. Uh, same thing with the retribution, and that that took like I don't know like a year. Like it it was crazy. Like so, we were kind of constantly waiting for things to get done, and we started looking at the clock, and we're like, are we really gonna make this game? Like. <laughs> this, is a, this is a pretty ambitious game and, and you know, and I'm, and I'm glad it got made. But, um, you know, I mean, we had like another one that, that ha- another thing that happened was uh, 
we had planned this whole uh, seamless campaign. So sort of like how God of War did, or God of War 4 just did, where you kind of like don't never cut the camera, you know? Right. Um, we were we, we had planned that from the beginning and we had it working. And so you would you would go back. So like the, the, the like this kind of goes back to our like original like green light demo, which I mean, I hope people get to see it one day. But um, we had this like whole seamless loop where, you know, you go, you, you're, I'm trying to remember how it starts. You're on the ground in some city and then you like, these like spider robots attack like Paris or something crazy like that. And you're like, whoa, what is this? And, but it's all like, everyone's talking like military speak and it's very call of duty. And then this, uh, this jackal flies in and like takes out the robot and you're like, whoa, that was crazy. And then the, and then it like lands and the canopy opens up and it like starts talking to you and you're like, what the, what the F, you know? So (laughs) you hop inside and you, you know, and then you, you do this, like the cool, like, like space shuttle launch into space and you're like over earth. And then you see like, these like ships fighting in space over earth and they like warp away and you're like, Whoa, that's crazy. And then, you know, and then it's like, okay, well get back to the retribution. And you're like, what's a retribution. And then you like turn your, your ship and you like land your ship inside the retribution, like all seamlessly. And then like the doors open up and you, and then you get, and then you get out of the cockpit um, and walk around inside the ship and you're like talking to people and they're like addressing you as captain. And you're like, what is going on? Mm-hmm. And then um, they're telling you like, okay, they, you know, they went to the Saturn, you know, they went to Saturn the moons of Saturn, let's go attack them. So you, um, you like go to your like, you know, ship computer, at the, you know, in, in the bridge and you like punch in some stuff and you like warp there. And then when you walk out of that, the, the armory guy was like right on the right. So the idea was that That's you right. would like, you would just kind of like what just on your way out, just like go, you know, gear up if you wanted to. And they would kind of maybe give you some mission briefing st- ideas and like, here's what you might want to take and so on. So we had this idea of an armorer guy. And then, uh, yeah. And then you, then you just exited from there, get on the elevator, go down, get back in your, your jackal, fly back out into space again. Again, this is all seamless. There's like, no, it's all like hidden through like, kind of, um, like, you know, like we're just unloading things behind you as doors shut, you know, right. and then loading the next thing in front of you. And then, yeah, and then you fly out in space, you get into a space battle. And then um, there was this big, you know, the big enemy ship that got away when it was over Earth. And then you like, fly, you, you attack it, you take out, it's like turrets and stuff. And then you get out in zero G. And this is where people are like, oh my God, I was like, when's the, when's the madness going to end? Because now you're in zero, <laughs> you're having zero G combat and you're like flying around in zero G combat space with like your, we had this like hook thing that you could like pull yourself around with. Um, you know, like maybe that was like the, the harpoon thing you're talking about. Yeah, but, that um, was it. Like in zero G. Yeah. And so, so we had the idea of like zero G combat and, uh, and then you'd fly into the ship and then, then gravity would turn on as you went through these vents and then you'd like take out whatever, like some guy inside or, or, or no, I think you just like self-destructed the ship. And then, uh, and then you got back in your, your ship, uh, or your jackal at the end, it like came over to meet you. Cause it had like AI it was the, in the beginning. It was like very much, it was going to be like, um, like, uh, whatever, like kit, you know, mm-hmm. like it was gonna be like this, like ship that like could like talk to you and stuff and would be your buddy. But we, we ended up not going down that path, but yeah. And then you get in it and then you like fly off and then like the, the demo level ended. And that's kind of like what sold the game like internally. Um, and what's crazy about that is we, um, we actually te- this is what what still bothers me to this day is we tested that internally with Activision um, in like you know like we had it like uh, uh, what's it called focus tested and people were like this is awesome like we, you know and we had, we we went through a number of focus tests and they were all like highly positive um, and it was like you guys need to make this game because of the you know the the reaction so good but kind of what ended up happening was, and we didn't, we didn't realize this at the time was, Hey, this is a three-year game. 
And people were asking us in, in those focus meetings, they're like, oh, is this the new Call of Duty game? Is this coming out this year? Is this Advanced Warfare? And it was like, no, it's not. So then Advanced Warfare comes out and kind of gets people, their, the Call of Duty fans' heads around the idea of like a, of a sci-fi game. And, you know, people are kind of like, oh, this is, you know, some people are like, hey, this is really good. But then you could start to see the cracks and like people, like the fans going like, hey, this is maybe too much. And then Black Ops 3 comes out the next year and it's like off the rails crazy, right? Um, in terms that. of like sci-fi. And so then it, and then it comes to us and we're like, okay, well, we're going to do another sci-fi game. And by then, like the, the fans were like, hey, we just want like boots on ground. We just want it like, like that was cool. But we just want to kind of go back to like, you know, maybe like modern or we want to go, you know, something like that, like World War II, whatever. And so, and that's where you see like, you know, Sledgehammer ended up being a World War II game instead of like a sequel to oh, yep, Advanced Warfare. Yep. Um, and, you know, like we, you know, we came out and it was basically like we, we thought we nailed the concept, but it just came out too late and it was at the wrong time for like what the fans expected and stuff. So, um, so that was like a huge, huge bummer. But at the end of the day, it was like I said, it was like, just, I still like this game. Like, <laughs> I think it was, yeah. you know, like, so I don't know. Well, that was it, a tough, tough one. And even the, what, what you just mentioned about how there are certain sensibilities that sh that are shared with like the, the the newest God of War game because that that was one of the coolest things. I'm I'm currently making my way through God of War four. Yeah, and I absolutely love how that there is no camera break whatsoever. It's like you just yeah. play the game. That's the dream is just oh, it totally is like no loading screen. You you were just playing it, and yeah. really like just what you described. I mean, with especially with Call of Duty Infinite Warfare, like I mean, e even in the the older games as well, but especially with Infinite Warfare. There was a lot of that. I remember that where you just, you were going from sequence to sequence. There, there weren't any type of like loading screens that you'd have to wait for. And it was very yep. much that organic experience of like, okay, you, you selected where you want to take the ship. Okay. Now we're here, sir. We have this, these missions for you. Your ship is ready. Come right this way. You, you get into your ship, you take off. I mean, yeah, it, it by and large, I mean, it, it, it was, I would say, 90% seamless, really. Yeah. I mean, there, there just really wasn't anything I can think of that uh, would we were, break we it. Were, we tried to, I mean, like we ended up covering the loads with like load movies, but you can't tell that they're load movies often. But then then we ended up doing like straight up like third person, like, you know, you know, uh, pre-rendered load movies to like get you to places. Um, and that kind of like bridged a lot of those uh, entries to levels. Like, like I don't know if you remember like the level Titan, like you... You know, yep, there's this whole drop seat. Yeah. And then it's like, hey, you're like dropping through the atmosphere. Mm -hmm. But originally that was like you were in the ship and you were having the whole discussion. Like the, all that dialogue was recorded and performance captured with like people sitting in like harnesses inside the ship. And then they ended up just like, you know, we had, I, I can't remember the name of the studio, but we had like another production house in LA, like make the, the cut scenes with our assets. And then we just kind of used the audio that we had already recorded from the performance capture on top of that to kind of get the narrative going, you know, so that when you landed it, all, everything still made sense. But, mm -hmm. um, yeah, that was, it was crazy, man. Like we, we were really ambitious on that one. And, um, you know, like it's like the Holy grail of like game design to have like a seamless game. And then I'm like, ah, oh, God of War did it. Oh, it's like Corey. <laughs> ah. Jealous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's hard, man. That one's, that one's hard. Everything has to really fit together just perfectly to get that to happen. Cause usually you have so many other bigger problems. And so that's like the cherry on top. And so, yeah, it's like, we didn't get the cherry on top, but it's all good. Now I'd like to take a step back a bit. Um, before you became gameplay director for infinite warfare, you actually left the world of call of duty. I know you mentioned this actually briefly earlier in the program, mm -hmm. but 
you started to uh, work on Halo 4 for 343 Industries. I'd like to be able to talk a bit about that. Um, starting off with just, I guess, what caused you to decide to, to leave COD and, and work on Halo 4? Sure. Um, yeah, so this one, this is like when I talk about like emotional, you know, things, it's like, you know, basically what happened at, at Treyarch. So, you know, here I am, I like made zombies, you know, you know, with a bunch of other people. And, uh, but because I had kind of done it, you know, there was like this other, you know, it was like this bunker defense thing was happening and I was like, no, it should be, it should be zombie mode. This is gonna be really cool. There was kind of like a bit of like back and forth there with like myself and the production team. And so they were kind of like, uh, oh, you know, he's, he's going a bit rogue. I don't know. Um, and <laughs> so they, they weren't like super, they weren't super stoked about it. And then, um, uh, I put this Easter egg in my level that, you know, this is always funny because depending on like, if you, if Activision production tells you like, we didn't know about it, but I like literally told like producers about this, but, um, that I, I like hit an Easter egg in my level. And so, uh, in, in the paleo level, if you go to these like three pools on the beach and you like wait in long enough in each one, when you go to the last one, these like, like, uh, statues come up out of the grounds or like boxer dogs, like, you know, um, and they, they, they have, uh, ray guns in their mouth, you know, like the, like the zombie ray guns mm -hmm. are in their mouth. And that was kind of like a nod to like, to like zombie mode. Like it like tied me to the, to the zombie mode basically. But <laughs> so then you would have this, these, like these ray guns in like the serious call of duty level. And you're like shooting, um, you know, you're shooting Japanese soldiers and they're like jibbing and they're like turning into blood mist with these, like with this like green ray gun. But, um, <laughs> so it's like this really crazy Easter egg I put in and, and I did it with like one of the audio directors. And so, but, uh, apparently it didn't work its way all the way up the chain. And so it like never got formally approved, but it shipped. So I'm, I'm sitting here on my break after the game ships and I get this phone call. They're like, Hey, come into the office and we need to talk to you. I was like, okay, like whatever. Yeah, those are always probably fun. a bug or something. Well, I just, I, I'm sitting here thinking like, Oh, I got to fix a bug or, you know, there's some, some problem with zombies or something. And then, um, they're like, Hey, did you put this in? And I was like, yeah. And they're like, okay, we need, we need to, have a serious chat. And it was, so it turned into one of those, right. Where I was like, Oh, okay, well I'm about Jeez. to get fired for this. And, uh, and then, uh, so they, so they weren't happy about that. And the reason they weren't happy was because they, uh, we decided to, uh, repurpose some Japanese dialogue, but the audio, uh, director flipped the dial. So he reversed the dialogue and he put a bunch of reverb on it. And so it sounded really like kind of spooky, like, all right, you know, sure, sure. and, and, uh, the, they were like, why did you put devil speak in the game? And I was like, I, what are you talking about? This is all approved. Like this is all legally approved dialogue. Like it's already cleared. Like, you know, like the audio director already like approved it and everything. And then you should have turned around on them and be like, how do you know what devil speak sounds like? <laughs> right. Yeah. That's like literally what they told me. It was crazy. I was like, Oh man, I'm like something like this is, this is insane. But so then it all, it was all fine. But I think that like made them upset, you know? Um, and they still blame me for it or whatever. So, uh, and then, and then keep in mind, like up to this point, um, we have a lot of folks leaving Treyarch because they're just tired of the crunch and they're, they're, you know, they're not seeing the light at the end of the tunnel and they're, they're kind of like something I didn't really get into much, but you know, when we merged with Treyarch, Treyarch was a very like kind of engineering and production heavy studio. And they're also close to Activision. So a lot of producers and then gray matter was a very like design driven and art driven studio. So there's going to be some like friction there. And that friction basically came to a head at the end of world at war. And you know, people just started leaving. They were just tired of it. They didn't think they could affect the culture enough or whatever. So they went to, a lot of them went to infinity ward, um, and started working on modern warfare too. Uh, some of them went to like id and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, so, uh, so 
trying to think what happened next. So then they, so a lot of those folks left. I was kind of left by myself essentially with like, cause I, you know, I was part of this OG crew from gray matter. And I was like one of the few, if not the last remaining member there. And I have like, basically my, you know, bosses are upset at me because I've added stuff to the game kind of against their will in various ways. Um, you know, even though I'm doing it in the best interest of the game, it's kind of going against certain production plans and stuff. And so they were just, they were just kind of upset with me. And then when the next, you know, we started working on the next game, which ended up being black ops one. And it's something I really don't talk to a lot of people about, but, um, in uh, Black Ops 1, it was going to be, you know, and it was, it ended up being like this kind of Vietnam heavy game. And my like wife's uh, uh, mom's fiance was killed in Vietnam. So I was like, I don't know if I really, I don't feel comfortable working on a game that has like Vietnam kind of mm-hmm. themes in it, you know, and stuff. And so I just kind of looked at like all the things that were lining up and, and uh, you know, and zombies, you know, when they put me on zombie stuff, they, they actually kind of pushed me out of the creative side. They were like, hey, we just want you to like work on this level and come up with some stuff for the level, but we're going to take it over from here. And that was like disheartening, you know, personally. And I, I, I didn't take that well either. So so that's when I started trying to figure out like how I could get out of the situation. Um, and, you know, and I had been crunched so much and and. I kind of at the time, like mentally had tied Los Angeles and crunching together. So I was just like, I just, I'm, I'm just done with this. And, um, you know, and I wanted to go back home, basically go back to like Oregon or, you know, the Northwest. And so, um, yeah, I happened to be like, it was like one of those random things where I was walking, walking to coffee one day and I, I met this, uh, this lady who was a, he, she used to be a recruiter at Treyarch and then she became a recruiter at Microsoft and she was what? like, Hey, like we're, yeah. And it's crazy. Like her and I have these like weird connections, but so she was like, Hey, I went to Microsoft and, um, you know, and you know, you're really good and stuff. And they're looking to start up this halo studio. It's, and I'm, you know, and it's, um, at the time it was going to be like this third person game. And I think like Peter Jackson was involved or something. And it was like this narrative driven thing. And I was like, this is crazy. Like, what is this? And so, um, I was like, you know, pretty interested and it was like a, a good way to kind of get out of the situation I was in and grow and, and learn about different games, you know, cause up that, up that point I had only designed call of duty games. And so I was looking for just any kind of change, you know, and that's, and that's, you know, part of the reason why I did zombies anyway, it was like, Hey, I want to just do something different. That wraps up this episode of Joygasm. Make sure you tune in next week when we continue where we left off with Jesse in part two of this interview. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm and pledge $1 a month for exclusive access to the show. Also, you can follow us on social media and YouTube. Just do a search for Joygasm TV. In addition to iTunes and Android, you can listen to our podcast on TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, Spotify, and SoundCloud.com slash joygasm TV. Last but not least, search Joygasm TV on Twitch to see us stream our gaming adventures live every Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Central Time. We'll see you next time.